Thank you, Lord. Oh, I love this song. This is one of my favorite songs. One of my favorite Christmas songs. Let me help you. There you go, Pastor. Don't ever let him fool you and think that he can't lift something because he's pretty strong. All right. It's one of my favorite Christmas songs. And, and I didn't realize, I mean, I knew we were singing this today because Sherry asked me to print it out, but then I forgot. And it goes so perfectly with my message today. And I just want to speak to those here really quick and then we're going to sit down and we're going to pray. But if you're weary today, rejoice. You've been praying for something for a long time and you think there's, you know what, God just isn't going to answer my prayer. Rejoice. Jesus came to bring you hope, to bring you joy, to take away your weariness, to take away your sorrows, to take away your pain. He came to set you free. He came so you could have a relationship and have a, with, with God and, have a, and just have a new life. This is good news. So Lord, I just thank you that you came. I thank you that you died on the cross for us. I thank you that you lived a perfect life with all its temptations and all its trials so that we didn't have to. Thank you. Lord, I pray you take these next few moments as we look at a couple of lives in in the Bible. I pray that you will take these few moments and encourage our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. All right. Oh, all righty. How's everybody doing today? Let me give you a little update on what's been going on on Wednesday nights. Having a, a bunch of new kids that um, they can be a bit of a handful. And, but it's been awesome. <laughs> and so we've basically gone back to the basics. Uh, they really don't know how to act in church. They don't know how to worship. They don't know how to do anything, really. And so we've been having to walk them through and explain it to them. And, and listen, for some of my teenagers that, that grew up in church, that have been bearing, thank you for bearing with us during the season. We're, we're getting there. Uh, this last few weeks, a few times I preached, uh, two times ago I talked about I just talked about what does it mean to believe in God. And then this last week I talked about repentance and why we need to repent and why we need to lifestyle of repentance. And I, I'm not going to lie, this la- and I'm not exaggerating, this last week I would say about 90% of the kids that drive on the vans in were at these altars. The crying out to God. My leaders were able to pray with them. And I'm not, I don't know all the testimonies, but I know one boy, I don't want to go into it, but he was having a really rough time. And God was able to speak to his life and change something in his life. And listen, what we do matters. Not just me as a youth pastor or Pastor Mike as a senior pastor, but us as a church, what we do matters. When we talk to people about Jesus, when we are the light of Jesus at wherever we go, it matters. People see. We may think we're going through whatever we're doing really doesn't matter, but let me tell you, it does. I was reminded of that this last Wednesday night, that what we do matters. But today, I want to talk to some of you. I was praying about this message. Pastor asked me to preach on Monday, and I'll be honest with you, I've been wrestling with this message, and I was praying, and and I felt like I wanted to go a certain direction, so that's the direction I'm going. It's not really in my comfort zone, but we're going there. But today, I felt like I wanted to talk to those who are weary in this place. How many times do we, do some of you in this room leave church, leave prayer meetings, leave revival services, whatever you go to, discouraged because you haven't received your miracle yet? You've been praying for your healing. Listen, I'll be honest with you, there's been times I've gone to meetings, I've left just a little bit, I was like, man, I was hoping God was going to do such and such in my life. And he, and I felt like I, I, I felt like everybody else got something but me. There's been times like that. 
So I'm there with you. How many times have we been praying for our healing, for our kids to come to Jesus? A baby for our own, of our own, freedom from depression, etc. Let's be honest. It can be frustrating when it feels like we're doing everything right, yet it feels like God doesn't really hear us. Even though we know he does, it just feels like he's ignoring us. Listen, we can't go by our feelings and we need to understand that Jesus does hear our prayers. He's not ignoring you. And we're going to see some people today in the Bible and how they dealt with disappointment after disappointment after disappointment and after disappointment and how God finally came through for them. We say finally yet in his in his mind, it was the right timing. Maybe it'll cause us to try a little harder or pray a little longer, all this discouragement, but sometimes it'll cause us to feel like just giving up. I believe there's some in this room today, and I feel like some of us know others in our lives that they, have, that they are on the border, they're just about to give up because they're tired of asking. They're tired of not receiving. And, and it, sometimes what, what can sort of compound the frustration is when we see other people who've barely even prayed, who've barely even, like they just had the issue, and then all of a sudden God works for them like that. Receive their miracle way faster than we ever did. It can be frustrating. I get it. When situations like this come up, we need to get our encouragement from the Bible. There are many stories of people who, that had to wait and were at their wit's end, but uh, they're borderline giving up, and it was at that moment when God showed up. Off the top of my head, the first one I think of, I have a few others, but I'm going to talk about them tonight, but there's one I'm not going to talk about tonight. I think about Samuel's mom. If you read her story in, the, in, in 1 Samuel, I believe it is, in 1 Samuel, you read his, her story about how her, I think she was the second of two wives, she was one of two wives, her other, the other wife of, of this man had a lot of kids, and she was having no kids at all. And she would go to the temple, she would cry out to God for a son, for a son, for a son, or just for a baby. And, and it was to the point that, that the priest thought she was drunk. She was praying, crying out to God, and she was not eating, she was fasting, and... And God heard her cries and gave her a son. And this son literally changed the Old Testament. It's because it was this young son that God used as the last judge. And God used him, allowed him to appoint the first king in Saul. And then appoint King David. Samuel was, was given to this lady and, and God used him in an amazing, read his story in 1 Samuel, it's an amazing story, but we're not going to talk about her today. We're going to talk about a woman that I don't think gets a lot of talk, a lot of people talking about in the Bible and, and we find her story in Luke chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Luke chapter 1, we're going to start at verse 5. We're going to look at Elizabeth and Zechariah. I think the church over history has given a lot more attention to Mary, rightfully so in my opinion, because she gave birth to Jesus. But Elizabeth's story is very interesting to me, and when I read it, it stuck out, and I felt like God said, I want you to talk about Elizabeth today. I thought he meant Elizabeth Harmon at first, I'm kidding, but sorry, I just, no, he wanted me to talk about Elizabeth and Zechariah today. In Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 5, it says this, In the time of King Herod, and Herod king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they're both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. 
But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer, or in the New American Standard Bible, it says petition. For your petition or your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the power and spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And then verse, jump down to verse 23. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. Talking about Zechariah. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Let's just pray really quick. Lord, I just take, I pray that you just take these next few moments as we look at Elizabeth, as we look at Zechariah. I pray, Lord God, that you bring encouragement to our hearts. Those who are weary, those who are worn out, those who have given up hope, I pray that you'll help us to be filled with hope again. Help us to trust you for our miracle. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to take a look at Elizabeth and Zechariah. There's a few things that sticks out to me about their life. First of all, first of all they were righteous, obedient, and blameless. They had, they, she wasn't barren because of sin. She wasn't not receiving a miracle because she was messing up and she was living a bad lifestyle. She was righteous, obedient, and blameless. In reality, they did all that was expected of them. If anyone deserved to have a child, to have, to have their prayer answered, it was these two. Yet they didn't. In fact, she was barren. I want us to, I want us to see that for a second. And I want us to understand that you may be doing everything right and still not be receiving your miracle. You might live a blameless life. You might be completely obedient. You, may, you might be completely righteous and you love God with all your heart, yet God, is, for some weird reason, is not answering your prayer. He's not giving you what you deserve in your mind. That might be you. The second thing is they were old. It plainly says it. It says, for they were old. And at the end of verse 7, both very old. Not just old, they were very old. Don't know how old that is in Bible times. Because I don't think they lived as long as us. But according to the Bible, they were very old. Most people in their position would have given up. They could have easily concluded that they were just not meant to have kids. They could have given up, but the third thing we see is they are persistent. They were persistent. How do we see that? Because in verse 13, it says that God heard their prayer. Or as another translation puts it, he heard their petitions. Which tells me that they, even though they were old, they kept asking. They kept pursuing. They kept petitioning. In fact, Elizabeth, I believe it says that he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. She felt like she was a disgrace because her miracle wasn't, her prayer wasn't answered in a timely fashion according to her. They were persistent. What does this say, say to you? It says to me that in spite of worldly wisdom, they didn't give up hope. They continue to pray. They continue to be faithful. And they refuse to give up hope. How does this speak to us? We can learn a lot from Elizabeth. We can learn a lot from Zechariah. They only get one chapter in the Bible, but I believe, and not even one whole chapter. Because so the next part of this chapter all belongs to Mary. 
We can learn a lot that, that, that in spite of them not receiving their prayers, guess what? They stayed righteous. They stayed obedient. They stayed blameless. They didn't curse God. They didn't say, well, if God doesn't do this by such as, I'm just done. I'm giving up. They're like, do you know what? God knows. We're going to love him even though I feel like I'm a disgrace. Even though I feel like I'm a failure. Even though I feel like I'm overlooked. I'm going to love God. I'm going to be obedient. Are we tempted to give up hope when we don't see God's answer on our timeline? Our timeline is not God's timeline. Your timeline's not over until God says it's over. Honestly, it's understandable to give up hope, to say, God, you better do it sooner or else, but we need to learn from Elizabeth and Zechariah. See, our worldly wisdom says that's okay. Listen, just give up. But we need to learn from Elizabeth. We need to learn from Zechariah. And I didn't have this, this scripture in my notes, but Zechariah was like, well, are you kidding me? And he laughed, and guess what? He was mute until the baby was born. Because he, he, he didn't believe what he was hearing. He's like, wait, what? No. I, now? <laughs> it, doesn't make, it made no sense to them. But they didn't know what God knew. They didn't see what God saw. God had chosen Elizabeth and Zechariah. I believe because of their faithfulness. I believe because of their obedience. I believe because of their blamelessness to, to have a son. They, he rewarded them with a son that was going to be the man that led the way for the Son of God. And guess what? Mary was not old enough to have a kid yet when they wanted to have a kid. That would have been really, really weird with how young she would have been. Some, and by all accounts, she was a teenager when she got pregnant. When she had Jesus. She wasn't a 20-something-year-old person. She was in her teens by, by, most, by most theologians' account. So they, they had to wait because God had a plan. He knew how he was wanting to use Zechariah and Elizabeth. He knew, listen, we also don't know what happened afterwards. We don't know what kind of, what God did in people's lives around them because of John. But God had a plan. See, a lot of times we give up hope because we think that his timeline is off. But 2 Peter 3, 8 through 9 says this, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. I know this pertains to the end times and I'm coming back, but verse 9 says this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. You might be thinking that he's taking too long, but he's taking just the right amount of time. He's trying to do something in us. He's trying to do something in you. I don't know what it is. I'm not, I'm not being Mr. Prophet Matt up here today. But you know, well, listen, God, God is showing you things that you need to do in your life. The second person I want to look at today, again, we don't know much about her story, but, but I believe that the similarities here are, are where I want to get to. And, and it's the woman with the issue of blood. If you, ever, if you have your Bible, please turn with me to Mark chapter 5, starting the second half of verse 24, going through verse 34. This is what it says. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, Jesus. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? 
The disciples answered, you see the people crowding against you, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing, that, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Here, here we see another woman who had been praying and crying out to God for years, who had gone to all these doctors to try to get healing in her body. And time after time, listen, it even says that she spent all her money trying to find a cure, trying to get healed. We don't know much about her, but what we do know is this, that she was sick for 12 years, she spent all her money, and that she, tried, and she, was, that she, had, that she had to try to find a cure. And in the end, we find her desperate at the end of her rope. She had no other choice. She's like, if this doesn't work, I'm just going to, I'm just, this is it. I'm done. But Jesus is there. And if I just touch his cloak, I believe I'll be healed. Well, this is a small story in the Bible that is, repeat, that is repeated in Matthew and in Luke. It shows one thing. It is the same thing that we see in the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah that she had persistence. In both cases, they didn't see, they didn't let their circumstances be bigger than what they knew God could do. This is what I want to take away from these messages, these two stories today. And this is where I feel like God is wanting me to go today is that we need to be persistent. Even when, it, even when all worldly wisdom says stop, give up, stop trying, stop praying, because it's not going to work, we need to be persistent. We need to keep running after God. See, God's not running away from us. When I think about chasing after God, I think of this picture of, of me playing with, with my boys or, or, or just sort of, I'm running away from, like when they were younger, I'd run away from them and then they'd come find me and then we'd just love on each other after, you know, whatever. That's the picture I get with God that when we chase God, he wants us to catch him, but he wants us to pursue him. He wants us to be persistent. He sees our needs, but he's got a plan that's bigger than ours. And sometimes there, there is an occasion where our, our prayer is not answered and, and it's our fault. There are times where we're not forgiving others, we're not forgiving ourselves, where we really don't believe and we don't have faith when we pray. We think in the back of our mind, this really isn't going to happen. Sometimes it's our fault, but listen. But listen, I, I, I don't believe it's that way all the time. If you see somebody that's not receiving their answer in prayer, don't judge them and think they must have sin in their lives. Pray with them and pray for them. But listen, uh, we need to check our hearts. We need to check our hearts. We don't, listen, I know, listen, I'll just be honest with you. I'm, I'm just confessing to you right now. There's been times in my life where I was praying for things where I really wasn't believing I was going to receive it. It's me being vulnerable now. But me being Mr. Pastor guy, I had to act like I did believe. And I refused to admit that I didn't believe. Sometimes we allow pride to keep us from repenting for the things that's keeping us from God's miracle. <laughs> and you know, you know if you don't really believe. You might be lying to everybody else, but you're, you know. I'm not saying that once you finally fully believe, listen, God can do whatever he wants. He can break through that, but I believe he wants us to get to a point where we trust him completely where we go after him completely, where we pursue him completely, where we petition him and believe that he's going to answer. Amen. 
The more time we spend in his presence, the easier it will be to, it will become to believe he will do what he said he will do. Listen, I believe a lot of times when we chase after him and spend time with him, our faith will grow. Why? Because we're spending time with him. If we don't spend time with him, it's going to be hard for our faith to grow. Because we allow doubt and the thoughts of this world to seep into our minds and into our hearts and into our lives. Listen, we need to pursue him. What is belief? I I talked about belief a couple, about a month ago to our teenagers. And I was saying, listen, we just need to believe in Jesus. It's that simple. In every aspect of our life, we just need to believe in him. And I I, I looked it up and, and in Greek, belief means belief. It's, it's really weird how that works that way. But it's a little bit, but it's an intense belief, all right? It's like if, if, if you were hanging from a cliff. We've all seen those movies, you know, Indiana Jones. He, he, sank, he goes over the edge and he grabs onto the cliff. He's got like that vine or whatever. And, and, and some, I believe it was his dad was reaching his hand down and said, Indy, just grab my hand and trust and, and he does, he pulls back to safety, and we see in those movies, right? Well, in my heart, in my mind, it's like God is like over the cliff. We're hanging on the cliff for dear life. And God said, grab a hold of me. Just believe in me that I will pull you to safety. And he'll do that. And then he says, continue to believe in me and don't go back that way. Let's go this way. Just follow me, trust me where I'm taking you. See, that's belief. And when it comes time for our miracles, when it comes time for our healing, when it comes time for needing to see God do something in our lives, listen, we need to focus on Him and not our problem. A lot of times our problem is the, is the object of our worship. Elizabeth and Zechariah, they weren't focused on their barrenness. They were righteous. They were obedient. They were blameless. The woman with the issue of blood, she wor- in a way, she kind of worshipped her, her issue for 12 years because she threw all her money at it. But then when she saw Jesus, she was zeroed in, focused on Jesus. And she followed him. She believed in him. I'm not saying that tonight all of a sudden, listen, I believe that God wants to give you your miracle today. I believe he does. I don't know where you're at. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in your heart of hearts. But God is saying, you just need to believe in me. Place all your hope in me. Repent from worshiping your problem, which means turn away from your problem. Not, not just pretending it's not there. Just don't focus on it. I think a lot of times we're guilty of of, of worshiping the miracle and not the miracle giver. We're so focused on, I need my miracle, I need my miracle, I need my miracle. No, you need your God. If he doesn't give you your miracle for some weird reason that he only knows, worship him. Still honor him, still pursue him. We need to do our part. We need to keep God as the focus. In Elizabeth's mind, there was no reason why she couldn't have a child. But God knew what he was doing. He had a plan that was way beyond her imagining. She didn't, I mean, who would have thought, oh, God's not going to give me a baby because my little niece over there is going to get pregnant by the Holy Spirit and my son needs to be the forerunner of this, of this little boy. Who, who's going to think like that? I mean, if God were to, were to tell her that, she'd probably think, I need to go into an institution because I'm crazy. Because that's just not how people get pregnant. Yet that's what God was going to do. Elizabeth She didn't give up. She stayed faithful and righteous. And we need to do the same thing. I don't know what your miracle is. I don't know what your need is. I know what mine are. 
I know what I struggle with. And do you know what I do? And I have to do it all the time. I have to just give it back to God. I have to give my issues back to God. Because my issues are beyond my control. My solutions are beyond me. And I need to stop, and I need to constantly stop focusing on my issues. And when it comes down to it, there's no rhyme or reason sometimes that we can see as to why some people get their miracles and some don't in their timing. It really makes no sense half the time. You know, there's been times I've, I've seen people that weren't even saved get healed miraculously. And I, I, I kind of get that because God wants to be like, see what I did for you, now let's, let's get saved. You know? But I've seen other people who are, who've been saved for years who desperately need a miracle and never get it for some reason. We, there's no rhyme or reason. Well, I believe that that part of it is on us and our faith or lack thereof. Other times, God does things differently for his own timing. I want to talk about one more, uh, one more story, and we're going to conclude here in a minute. And listen, tonight or today, I want us to pursue God. We got time. This is a short message. If you need your miracle, or even if you don't, man, let's pursue God together. I want us to look at Paul. Paul, he was an amazing man, and, and, and I just got done reading the book of Acts, and, and as I was reading through it, I noticed two things. I noticed two Examples, and I might preach on these later. I may not. Who knows? I'm mentioning in my message today, where God used Paul to to heal people in various ways. In Acts chapter 19, verses 11 through 12, we see a scripture that shows that God allowed people who touched handkerchiefs or aprons that touched Paul to heal them. He was a guy. It was just crazy. He was just he was praying for people. They'd grab an apron off of him. They'd grab a handkerchief off him or whatever. And they'd send it to somebody who was sick. They'd touch it and they were healed. And then we see the same man, Paul, in Acts chapter 28, verse 8. We see Paul had to go away. He, he was in the, on the island of Malta. He had just been bitten by a snake. Vipers in the, in the uh, fire burned up and nothing happened to him. Blew him away. Some people think say, like, I knew a man, I knew a guy in college, not, sorry, this is a side note, knew a guy in college from Malta, who said that Christianity was in Malta because of Paul, because of that incident. People can point back to that incident where people got saved because he didn't die from a snake bite. Anyway, um, there was a man, a, a well, wealthy leader on Malta who was sick with dysentery and fever, and it shows that he had to go away and pray before he could go and heal him. Wait, wait, wait. He was just, things were barely touching him and people were getting healed and now he's got to pray. What, what I'm saying is God does things differently in different seasons and for different people. Your miracle is not going to come the same way somebody else's miracle came. Your healing may not come the same way somebody else's healing came. But in the way it is, because it's going to come from God. Just his mode of delivery is going to be different. Yours might be USPS, the others might be FedEx, the other, somebody else's might be um, uh, Pony Express. You never know. But God knows and God sees. So today I want us to, I really felt like some in this room, we just need to repent. We need to ask God for forgiveness. For a lot of things. I believe there's some repentance that needs to happen in this room. And I believe God is, I believe he's talking to you right now. He's not going to give me all the examples. I know in my life, 
be honest with you, I find myself repenting of pride quite a bit and selfishness. God's wanting you to repent of something today. He wants you to run to him. He wants you to pursue him and not pursue your needs, not pursue your hurts, not pursue any of these things, but to leave those things at the altar. He might take care of them today. He might take care of them next week. He might take care of them in a year. Who knows when he's going to take care of them, but we need to let him take care of them when he wants to take care of them. Listen, I believe there's some, in, there's some issues in this room that are very urgent, and he wants to touch them now. There's others where he's saying, listen, for me, for example, I'm not going to give the example, but I have one in mind right now where he wants me to learn a little bit more about something before he does something else. He's wanting me to get closer to him, to, to, to pursue him, to be only in love with him, and to not be in love with, 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 with anything else but him. What about you? What do you need to repent of? What do you need? What is your miracle? Are you worshiping your miracle or are you worshiping God? Sherry, if you don't mind, would you be willing to come on up and just play the keyboards a little bit? And I just want to get some background music. Listen, I'm not going to ask everybody to come on up because I want us to be bold enough to come up on our own. You have a need. You feel like God is speaking to your heart right now. I want you to allow a desperation to rise up in your spirit you haven't felt in years. I think a lot of us, we've, we've, we've gotten so, we've allowed this complacency in our lives. Complacency that came because because we haven't received our miracle. We've given up hope, so we just got complacent. I know it's, it's a temptation for me at times. I've been like, I've been there, done that. But listen, there's some, I have to make sure that, that I, I keep this passion kindled because I, want, I don't want to be complacent. I want to be hungry. I want to be hungry to see God do great things in my family's life, in my life. I want him to see him heal, heal people. I, I want, listen, I'm frustrated because when I pray for people, I don't see them healed. I'll be honest with you. But do you know what God keeps telling me? It's like, I want to heal people through you, but, but if I were to do it now, you'd get too prideful. I want to get to another level in my ministry, but I feel like if God lets me get there, I'll be too full of myself. So I have to stay humble. I'm not that, listen, I'm not great. I'm not that great at all. But for some reason, I, I get in my own head. Here's me being vulnerable right now. I don't like being here. I don't like doing this. I know I'm probably going to regret something I say maybe later on today. I'll be like, I shouldn't have said that. Everybody thinks I'm full of myself. I'm not. <sighs> but I have to repent and I have to give it to God and say, God, I just, I don't want to be, I don't want to get that to that place. I want you to be first. I want just, I just want you. And I feel like there's some in this room that we have allowed ourselves to become complacent because of discouragement. Holy Spirit, come. Hmm. Let's just pray right now. Let's just, everybody just go ahead. If you stand up, kneel at your seats, whatever, let's just, you may not be feeling anything in this room. You may be like, let's just go home and eat lunch, but listen, let's just pursue God for a second. Let's be intentional about pursuing God for a minute. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, I pray for those in this room right now whose hearts have been broken time and time again that they just stopped asking. 
They know that verse that says, ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. But they're like, Lord, I've, I've knocked too much. My knuckles hurt. They're bleeding. I've asked until my voice is raw. I can barely ask anymore. I've sought until my eyes have become blurry from looking. I'm just done. Lord, I pray right now in this room to, to, to break our hearts again. Lord, I pray right now. Oh, Jesus, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Oh, if you need a miracle today, if you've been, if you need a miracle, you, you whatever, well, whatever applies to you from this message today, if something struck home in this message, I want you to come to the altar. Don't let pride back. Come on to the altar. Let's pursue God together. Oh, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, Lord. If you need to repent of anything, let's repent today. Listen, we need to live a lifestyle of repentance. Where if something gets between us and God, let him show it to us and so we can confess it and get rid of it so we can draw closer to him. Oh, Lord. By the way, in case you're wondering, that's my prayer language. It's not a prophetic tongue uttering utterance. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Some of you in this room, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. Maybe that's your miracle that you've been crying out for. Mm, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Mm. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm not watching, so there's no judging up here, but is there anybody else? You need to come to this altar. You need to pursue God. Let's pursue God together. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, Lord. Mm. Come, Lord, come. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Anybody else? Oh, so everybody go ahead and stand in this room today. If you're at the altar, stay at the altar. Stay kneeling or doing whatever you're doing. But I want everybody else to go and stand. Oh. Where you're at in your seats, let's just pursue God. Let's ask God to work miracles today. Let's ask him to, to work on behalf of those who are at this altar. Let's ask him to move, but let's pursue God and not the miracle. Let's pursue our king and our father and not the gifts that he has to give. I believe that we can release healing. I believe we can, but I believe that we need... I, I, I think sometimes we focus too much on those gifts that we don't focus on the one who's releasing us to give them. So let's just pray. Let's pursue God. Pray in your own way. You can pray out loud. You can pray silently. There's a lot of times I barely speak and there's other times I'm pacing this church yelling at the top of my lungs but it's up to you how God wants you to pray but let's pursue God together as a church today let's ask him for fresh miracles let's ask him for fresh touches let's ask him for healings but let's ask him for him let's ask him that we can have an experience with him that we can know him deeper that we can pursue him deeper 
And Lord, I pray right now across this room that you'll help us to, to fall desperately in love with you again. Where the heart has grown cold, I pray that it'll be stoked back into flame, Lord. I pray for any hearts in this room that have become hard as rock. I pray that you'll make it moldable like clay in this room today. I pray for our kids. I pray for our children home. I pray for those who are not living for you. I pray, Lord God, that you'll get a hold of their lives and help them to fall in love with you, Lord God. I pray for those who need healing. I pray that you'll touch them and bring healing to their body. But Lord, I pray that you'll help us to keep you first. Help us to keep you first. Help us stay hungry for you. Help us to be like Zechariah and Elizabeth and to continually petition you because they wanted you. They wanted you, but they wanted you. Help us to be like that woman with the issue of blood who just pursued you. Help us to be hungry for you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Oh, if there's anybody else that needs that, that just God, you need more of him. I want you to make your way on up to the altars. Amen. Amen. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hmm. Hmm. Father, I thank you for this few moments we had this morning. Thank you for allowing us to learn from Elizabeth's life and Zechariah's life and this woman that's named the Bible. Help us to be persistent in our pursuit of you. I pray for those in this room. I want everybody to go ahead and close your eyes. I don't want anybody looking around. I feel like I feel like the Holy Spirit just showed me that there's those in this room that you're saying that's great, but.
You're already making excuses. You think, well, you know, that's great for them, but, but if God doesn't, blah, blah, blah. Hmm. I want to speak to you right now and I want to say there's hope. But you got to get past, past your butts. You might be saying, I would repent of this if God did this. God's saying, that's not how this works. I need you to repent of that before I do that. And I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because you know who you are. But God is, right now, he's stirring your heart and he's saying, you need to repent. This isn't condemnation. This is conviction. The difference between the two is condemnation makes you feel like there's no hope. Conviction helps you realize that there is hope. They feel similar. But with conviction, God is showing you what needs to be gone, got rid of, so that way you can come closer to him. It says in the Bible, for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh. So right now, where you're at, I want to challenge you, repent. There's no penance to be made unless you stole something from somebody, then you'd need to repay. But you need to ask for forgiveness, and guess what? He'll take it right away. Lord, I pray for those in this room right now. Holy Spirit, help us to pursue you and to be persistent in that pursuit. To live a lifestyle of repentance, a lifestyle of our eyes focused on you. In Jesus' name I pray. I love you guys. Have a great week. Be blessed. Oh, help me pick up the chairs.